Hello, I'm Cass Feely, a historian at the University of Derby. Welcome to Global Derbyshire in 10 Objects, a series of 10 podcasts that examines not only Derbyshire's rich heritage as a global industrial powerhouse, but the heritage of, possibly, one of the UK's most overlooked areas. These podcasts are brought to you by the University of Derby for the Being Human Festival 2020. Being Human is the UK's only national festival of the humanities and is a celebration of humanities research through public engagement. As a festival hub, the University of Derby's programme is rooted in partnerships with museums, archives and libraries across the county to explore this year's festival theme of New Worlds. In these programmes, I'll be meeting with expert curators, archivists, historians and artists to present fascinating stories about 10 diverse objects and artefacts from the 19th, 20th and 21st centuries, each with their own place in the global history of Derbyshire. We start our exploration in the Derby Local Studies and Family History Library with a set of intricate maps of all over the world and even the heavens engraved and printed in the 18th century by one of the most celebrated cartographers of the age. But there's a mystery. How did these maps find their way to Derby? My name is Paul Elliott and I'm a Professor of History at the University of Derby. And we're here today at Derby Local Studies Library with Mark Young, who's the librarian, to look at an early 18th century map in the collection. And first of all, I'd like to ask Mark, what was it in particular about this this map that caught your attention when you were looking through the collections? Well, Paul, the, the the very first time I saw this map, it, it captured my imagination. Um, and if you remember when we first met to discuss the, um, the festival for this year when we were planning it, um, both my colleague and I, mm. as soon as we heard that the theme was going to be New Worlds, we both independently, yes. instantly gravitated towards these maps. Mm. I think really because we're a local studies library, these maps are quite unusual in that the purpose of our collection really is to gather things that relate to Derby, its people, yes. its communities and, and the local places. And this is international in scope. So it really has no place in the collection. And so it sort of jumped out. But it, it's also about the, the visual quality of it. It's, mm. it's just a lovely, lovely item. Yes, and it's, it's really intriguing to think about why this map is in the collection of Derby Local Studies Library. Um, because on the face of it, it's a map of, of the world. The original map would have been probably 30 sheets. Mm. It's by somebody called Hermann Moll, who was a German, perhaps Dutch, we're not certain, mm. a cartographer who was active in the late 17th century and the early 18th century in London. And what we've got is a large number of surviving sheets of what's called elephant folio, from this work. The title of the work is The World Described, a new and correct set of maps. And the original edition of this was published in 1715, but probably from the internal evidence of these maps, it looks like this edition was probably around 1730, because there's references to George II, for example. 
Now, just to go into a little bit more detail about uh, what's on the map, we'll pick out a couple of examples, a couple of these sheets, to say uh, a little more about it. Now, the first, first example of one of the maps I'd like to point to is a one you can see here, which for those listening is uh, an engraved map, engraved in copper, with coloured outlines. So you've got coloured outlines probably done by an amanuensis or somebody working in Mole's studio rather than him himself. And the title of the map is an exact map of the coast of countries and islands within the limits of the South Sea Company. Uh, so it's worth sort of thinking about well, what was the South Sea Company because it tells us a lot mm. about um, mole circles and the kind of information he was gaining and who his maps were for, who this map was actually published for, who was expected to buy it. And the South Sea Company uh, was set up to control British trade with the Americas, with South and Central America, and they also had very favourable terms with the government. Another of their concerns was slavery, and as no doubt as listeners will know, slavery was a big part of the commerce, international commerce in the Atlantic world in the 18th century. So it's reckoned that some, perhaps even up to 10 million slaves, were exported from Africa to the Americas in the 17th and 18th centuries. And of course, by the 18th century, it was largely a British trade. Mm. And the South Sea Company had special privileges, were heavily involved with slavery and the slave trade. But also, because of their sort of close links with the government, they actually ended up uh, almost going bankrupt and creating a massive financial crisis, the South Sea Bubble, which came to a head in 1720. And that almost led to the collapse of the government. People were committed suicide, you know, it was real. Even the king, George I, got into severe debt as a result of the South Sea Bubble Crisis. But what the map shows, what the map tells us, is where the company was, were trading from, where they saw their main bases as being, and also the kinds of commodities and products that they were going to be trading in, as well as slaves, also uh, other goods, tobacco, for example, and so on. And what you see here and on other maps is, is a lot of additional information like trading routes, there's things like winds, you know. And these inlays direct, with the, yeah. the ports, um, so you've got a lot more detail here. Yeah. Um, and then all the way down the coastline um, of South America, you've got all the ports named. The, the writing's really crammed in here mm. to, to get all these port names. I know, it's incredible, isn't it, the yeah. amount of detail. Mm. And, and like the other maps, there's plans of towns and cities. And also, there's um, a lot of information here that's, of course, the result of European encounters with other peoples around the globe. So it's not just kind of European knowledge. It's um, people from the Americas, like the American Indians, for example. They're, you know, the kind of information they gave people like Portuguese, Dutch, French and uh, English stroke British traders. There are clues to where he's getting his information yeah. from, aren't there? It says here, um, the island of St Ambrose, St Philip the Spaniard says there are no such islands. 
So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is obviously in dispute. Um, but but Moll's chosen mm. to mark them on there. Yeah, there's a kind of sort of ambiguity about the information, isn't there, mm, and there where is. it comes from, how reliable it is. And, and in these um, title block, not mm. on this one particularly, but he goes to great pains to point out that his maps are more accurate than, yeah. than those of his rivals and that mm. you shouldn't believe the work yes. produced by other map makers. He's got the most accurate mm. maps. Um, so so it's, it really demonstrates that this mm. was a, still a period of discovery, doesn't it? And that there was yes. an awful lot mm. that was unknown. Uh, and in fact, uh, again, not on this particular map, but you get these great big blank areas that are just marked parts unknown. Right. And, and that's one <laughs> of the things I really like yes. about this. It's just one step away from mm. Monsters Be Here. We'll just, we're just going to now turn to another example of one of the uh, maps. And this is, um, this is a map of the East Indies. And it shows the whole of India and also the whole of China, as well as the East Indies. So you've got Borneo... Sumatra, uh, Ceylon, and this this is a very striking map because one of the things it reminds us of is the fact that a lot of the information in Moll's map is from the 17th and early 18th century. So this is a period when the European powers are both kind of competing with each other. They're at war with each other frequently, but they're also having to engage with other great powers in different parts of the world. So, for example, in India, you've got the, the, the map shows the Mughal Empire, which uh, really um, a large part of central northern India was under the Mughal Empire, and lots of the uh, rulers there had suzerainty or gave suzerainty to the Mughal ruler. And it was a very, very powerful state. So the French, the British, the Dutch, and so on, had to be really careful in their negotiations at this time in, uh, to get access to trade. Um, because at the time, there's no the British in India, for example, only have bases on the coast. They don't have vast swathes of territory in in uh, central India like they did in the 19th century. And it's the same with China because the map shows China uh, with a yellow boundary, the, the vast sort of Chinese empire. And at this time, this is the period of the Ming Dynasty, China's very powerful state. And the same with Japan. Japan the powers had to negotiate very carefully with, and in fact, the Japanese ended up excluding European mm. traders, apart from, for a time, the Dutch, and even then the Dutch were excluded. So, so I think that's one thing that, one interesting thing that, that this map tells us. I mean, is there anything else that uh, strikes you about it? I think one Mark? of the things that I noticed was, w without really being familiar with the geography, mm. you've got the Maldive Islands marked here. And, yeah. they're, and they're just, it just looks really naive. It doesn't look geographically no. accurate, e even without knowing what they should look like. You've got these sort of blocks of islands that are just kind of mm. almost, almost sketched in, really, aren't they? Yes, there's lots of islands yes. here, and let, let's not go yeah. into the detail. Um, despite the fact that he's purporting these maps to be accurate, I don't, mm. I don't think that would help you if you were sailing around them. Um, and, and then I think the other thing that's nice on this map are these these inlays. So you've, yeah. you've got a prospect of the city of Surat, prospect of Goa, a plan of the city of Bantam, um, and then the fort of St. George and the city of Madras, 
um, and that's more of a, a plan rather than a view. Mm, yes, it is. Um, but they're very nicely done, and they just add they just add some interest to the to the maps as a visual object. I think. Yes, they do, and it and it, it makes you think: who were these maps for? And of course, one mm. certainly to some extent they would have been used by navigators, but I don't think they they were really no. for navigators. They are, and one of the clues. In this map, like the one we saw of the South Sea Company, is the fact that um, there's a dedication uh, on the right-hand side of the sheet to the directors of the Honourable United East India Company. So again, the, the primary sort of market that Moll has in mind is people like merchants, mm -hmm. um, tra traders, but also investors, people that are going to be investing in these chartered companies that controlled a lot of the English stroke British trade with mm. the East and West Indies um, in competition with, with the French, the Dutch and, and the Portuguese and so on at this time. And you, you've got clues to that. There, there are details here. So um, on, the, on the East Coast of India, it says diamonds and precious stones. Um, yeah. Very rich in diamonds and other precious stones. Yeah, that's so, great. So, isn't so, it? so you've mm. got this. Um, he's, he's luring people in. Yes, <laughs> the land of wealth and opportunity. <laughs> Another thing that this map makes us think about is is back to the question we began with, really, at the beginning of the discussion, which is um, why has this map ended up in the Derby Local Studies Library collection? I wondered whether you had any more thoughts about that, Mark, or <laughs> well, is it just a mystery? I mean, as, yeah, it, it really is a mystery. I mean, I mean, we know, looking at the physical evidence that we've got, you can see that they're, they're well-worn. Yes. Um, they've suffered water damage at some point in the past. Mm. You've got these two marks that appear through all the sheets. Yeah. And then at some later point, they've had a lot of care and attention. So there are tissue repairs where the maps were originally folded on all the fold lines, um, there are tissue repairs to, to bring all the pieces back, back together into a single sheet. And then they've been encapsulated in polyester mm. and, and bound. So, so at some point, a librarian in the past recognised that these were valuable yeah. and had the work done. Why they've ended up at local studies, I, I really don't know. And, and they've never been formally entered into the collection at local studies. No. None, none of our marks. It doesn't have a number. Um, but I think you've got some thoughts on where this might be. Well, I think one possibility, and it's only a possibility, is that this, this map was originally used for educational purposes. And, and that <coughs> actually, it's, um, in the 18th century, really, this is the period of when geographical education becomes very popular. There's textbooks what we call geographical grammars, atlases, mm. even what were called dissected maps or jigsaw maps were used in the teaching of geography. And I think it's possible that this, this map was used by the Findon and Derby Dissenting Academy. Um, and we, there are other books and things associated with there Dissenting are. Academy in the yeah. collection. And it, if, if that's the case, it would have been used to teach geography both terrestrial geography but also um, astronomical geography as well and that because the map also includes things like maps of the Ptolemaic system mm, um, sure. and another clue that that could be the case is the fact that some of the other other maps include historical maps as a map of the Roman Empire and so on yeah. so those kind of maps are really for educational purposes and private interest rather than something that would have been of interest to to merchants and of course here 
Um, although there are people with global connections, but I would stress that this is only that's only a theory that we just don't we don't know. There's plenty of mm. um, you know possible ideas as to where this came from. Thanks very much for sharing your ideas well, about thank, the mag mark for, and for, for finding it in the first <laughs> place. And well, thanks for um, <laughs> all the information, Paul, because you know it's it's having people like you to come and look at these things that really gives us some understanding of what it is mm. that, that we, we've got here. Global Derbyshire in 10 Objects is presented by the University of Derby for the Being Human Festival 2020 and it was presented by me, Kath Feely, for the University of Derby. Being Human is the UK's only national festival of the humanities. A celebration of humanities research through public engagement, it is led by the School of Advanced Study at the University of London, the UK's national centre for the pursuit, support and promotion of research in the humanities, in partnership with the Arts and Humanities Research Council and the British Academy. For more information, visit beinghumanfestival.org. The Global Derbyshire in 10 Objects podcast series was produced by Roger Morford.